Are you ready? Ready to release internal pain? To find confidence, clarity, and direction for your future? To live a life of meaning, fulfillment, and contribution? To trust your intuition again, but something's been holding you back? You've come to the right place. Welcome. I'm Ian Hawkins, the host and founder of the Grief Code podcast. Together, let's heal your unresolved or unknown grief by unlocking your grief code. As you tune in to each episode, you will receive insight into your own grief, how to eliminate it and what to do next. Before we start, I have one request. If any new insights or awareness land with you during this episode, please send me an email at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com and let me know what you found. I know the power of this work and I love to hear the impact these conversations have. Okay, let's get into it. G'day everyone and welcome to this week's guest, Chris Edwards. How are you, Chris? I'm well. I'm, I'm doing all right. How are you, Ian? I'm going really well, thanks, mate. Excellent. Good stuff. Now, we connected because I was watching a heap of your content online. You, uh, you don't mind calling it how it is, but also what I think I was most drawn to was the uh, cheekiness of the humour and the, uh, yeah, having little subtle pokes. I, I'm, I'm very much in that uh, way of thinking and it's got me into trouble at different times, but I also know that it's, it's good to lighten the mood, right? So how, do you, how did you get to be like that or is that just something you've always been, a bit of that uh, mischievous and, and comedic styles? Oh, I think uh, I think um, I'm 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 definitely passionate about humour. Uh, yeah. There's no question of it. Um, I was actually a, a professional clown, so for me, yeah. humour was something that um, it wasn't. It's not just a joke for me, you know. It is actually something I've put serious time into um, understanding and, um, and and furthering. I I think. Uh, Laughter really is the best medicine um, in many, many ways. Um, it helps it helps people bond. Um, having a good laugh with someone, a good belly laugh, you know. Yes. And, and 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 for a moment, and for a moment, everything just falls away, right? Yeah. And for that belly laugh moment, all there is is that undefinable. Joy, you know, I, 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 um, I, I'm passionate about those moments. So, um, I tell a lot of jokes and, um, uh, and really sort of, uh, uh, have no, no qualms about being weird or, or, yeah. or silly. I love it. I, I can totally agree with that. It's the, uh, the tears in the eyes, the like the like the actual muscular soreness from from laughing, great moments, and it's right. really interesting that you put it like that. It's like it, you said, everything else melts away. It's it's the ultimate presence, right? Right, right. It's it's that. I mean, when when people talk about losing control emotionally, it's usually got all these negative connotations, you know where you lose control into anger or sadness or whatever. But you can also lose control into joy or, or wonder or, 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 in this instance, hilarity, you know. And, and I, I, I love those moments where, where people just have zero expectation of, of being transported to another place emotionally. And, and then all of a sudden their world for that that time frame just becomes this uncontrollable joy and 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 um capturing those moments for me is 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 like i said i've I've put time into into understanding the psychology of humor what does make us laugh you know and what did you find? I know that's a long question to answer, but so maybe you can sum up like what are the key things that you found around what what is the uh, the motivator or the cause, if you will. Um, I think uh, the best sort of um, look at uh, laughter 
is actually found through something called uh, laughing yoga. If you really want to get into uh, the science of laughter, and um, it's a worldwide phenomenon. And there was a, a doctor, an Indian doctor, who who asked these questions, right? And he, he was he was actually uh, very interested in what results from laughter. What does it actually do to, do in the body? You know and um, he did huge amounts of studies, but then he found something, right? And what he found was that you can't tell the same joke to the same person over and over again to test, right? Because he wanted to get people to really laugh. And the people had to not expect it. And it needed to be a bit of a surprise. There needed to be an element of shock or, 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 or disqualification involved so that they could... Um, really get a laugh so he could get his instruments and measure what was happening to them when they were really laughing. And so he developed a whole bunch of techniques and these techniques um, and tools, uh, the collection of them is called laughing yoga. And there are tricks that you can do to actually get your body to engage in a full belly laugh with um, without uh, uh, any joke at all and it's it's mirror neurons you'll find that if you sit there and do a big belly laugh um, faking it and you do that in a group of people it won't take long before that belly laugh becomes very very real and and the fake just falls away and that is laughing yoga. And plenty of people do laughing yoga workshops. So it's something that you can look into in your local area, wherever you are, um, or YouTube it. There are plenty of trainers out there. And it, and it is actually a really fantastic way of, of, of coming back to that childlike, unrestrained joy. And um, the healing power of that is it's, it's uh, uh, measurable, it's observable, and it's instant. And it comes with zero adverse reactions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. So, so actually the clown and the entertainer and the comedian is actually a healer. Oh, yes, and, and, and has been recognised as such throughout, throughout history. I mean, there's a reason that the jester got to tell the king the truth, right? <laughs> yeah. There's a reason for that. Bards were held as sacrosanct in history, you know? A village understood, in, in, historically speaking, villages understood that if you treated a bard like shit, he wouldn't come back and he'd tell all his mates. And they're funny people that you want to come back, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, so bards were held sacrosanct. In in in, there's one culture that has something called a spirit clown, right? Yeah. And the spirit clown, um, the rite of passage to become this mystic clown, right, was. Um, that the entire village would gather round and pick every single fault and failing that person had and laugh at them and curse them. And for 24 hours, the spirit clown would have to endure this village's everything. Everything would get thrown at them. Yeah. And then once that time had passed, his role within that village was to laugh at the stupidity of everything, <laughs> you know, which, yeah. which, which is a beautiful thing because we all take things too seriously, yeah. don't we? Yeah. You know? Yeah, 100%. And, and having someone that laughs at all of it, well, that can lift all of us up just that little bit more, right? 100%. Make all of it. All of it just yeah. a little bit more endurable. Yeah, and when I when I left my job, inverted commas, back in 2017, that was of all the things of the difference between working on your own at home and in a office environment, it was the humour that I noticed the most. 
Like it was just a constant stream where I worked uh, back and forth and just, yeah, feels amazing. And when you get something like that taken away, it's it's noticeable. So it kind of leads me to the, the part of the story I wanted to talk about is that that's sort of an element for you that, that happened rather than you being immersed in it. It was you, the entertainer. But before that, you had a big event in your life that, that changed things and then negatively impacted your career. So tell us a little bit about that um, relationship breakup, Chris. Oh, well, that relationship breakup sort of happened after um, that career um, and was sort of uh, a bit precipitous. Um, so I was, I was in circus and I was doing uh, fire as well as other um, circus arts including some clowning and um but circus life is hard it's um it's not an easy life um and you you it's it's not a job it's a lifestyle you when you're circus you eat live breathe drink shit shower shave circus that's all there is yeah and um my partner at the time was my lovely assistant um and we had our roles, but I was cir- circus. She found the lifestyle very difficult. And so we left um, circus and went and became normies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, for the first time in, I don't know, years, for the first time I was paying rent and wow. bills um, because – I'd been on the road for nearly ten years total up until that point. Was that was that a shock to the system in itself? Just going from oh, oh, it, it, a complete shock to the system. And it's like who who opens the Herald Sun and sees fire performer clown wanted apply with him? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's not exactly. Um, a, a, a career that um, that is readily sort of available. I can't I can't just get a job at my local fire twirling factory. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, so so and that was that was also a, a shock to the system because where do you go from there? With I had all I had a trade under my belt, but nowhere to sort of ply my trade. And um, I saw a, an, a, an ad in the paper, DJ wanted no experience and became a DJ and um, ended up pursuing um, entertainer at, at, at private functions. And um, in, in, in the realms of entertainment, the more acts that you can do, um, and the more choreographed routines you have under your belt, the more variety you have as an entertainer and the better you can um, ply your trade. So that's what I did. And um, I became an extra and did all sorts of stuff. Um, And then I started discovering some of the craziness and insanity in the world. And that started impacting my life and my career and my relationship started breaking down. Um, for a variety of reasons, and then it all. And I started missing gigs because of all the the things. And entertainment, there is no sick days. You don't get sick days because if you're an entertainer and you're doing someone's wedding, you don't get a sick day. Yeah, you got to show you up. You are happy that day. It doesn't matter whether you've just had a fight with your missus. It doesn't matter whether your car tire is flat. You yeah. are there and you are happy or you don't keep getting gigs. Right. And that's the way it works. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and is that what happened? You stopped getting and gigs? And that's what happened. And yeah, that's what right. happened. Um, as my relationship went south, um, I missed a couple of gigs and 
that's a big deal as an entertainer, you know, that's a huge deal. That's like a surgeon missing an operation, you know, it's not something you can do, right? Yeah. yeah. And once that happens, that's it. You won't get a call back from that agent because they've got other people on the books that will turn up every time. Yeah. No questions asked, do their job and do it well. So it's very cutthroat. Um, very, there is no room for, um, for error, uh, or, or for life and life happens to me, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's, mate, it sounds exhausting for it to be that relentless, that there's always the next thing and there's just no negotiation. You've got to be there. Otherwise you miss out. That's it. That's, that's the dream. And, uh, <laughs> and it is, it is. And, and for every gig you get. For every single gig you get, you do 10 auditions. Yeah. So there, there, there's 10 gigs you don't get mm. for every one you do. So, so it's only for the passionate, only yeah. for the passionate and determined that career um, without a real love of the art of performance. You, 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 you'll get nowhere. Yeah, right. Well, all more uh, power to you that you were able to stick that out for so long. I'm really drawn to, to this question. As someone who would think differently, right, because you're always looking for the, the comedy, you're, you're always looking to make that impact, I imagine. Does that mean that to a certain degree that people don't get you like people don't really understand how you operate oh very few people understand how how i operate or or get me um it is quite lonely um and and at the same time not i mean i mean the person you see ian is going to be completely different to the person that all of your audience is seeing, completely different to the to the Chris that my partner knows. In fact, in every person I meet, there's a different version of me in them. Yeah. And I'm none of those things. Yeah. And I've got a different version of me again in me. So I've got this own version of me going on and everyone else has got different. And I'm all of those things, <laughs> and I'm none of those things. So all at the same time. Yeah. Can we can we talk a bit about this because that's such a great point. Is that so many of us spend time thinking about what other people think, and what are they going to say, and how they're going to react? But what you describe there is perfect. It's like what if you asked a hundred people what they thought of you, it'd be all different answers, right? And then right. it's what you ask yourself, right? It's going to be something different again. So, so where did you learn about that, and and how have you used that knowledge to be actually be beneficial to you to your own journey? Well, um, uh, in in terms of in terms of my career as an entertainer, knowing exactly how you perceive me, well, that's the job, right? Yep. Yep. That's, that's the job. And to create a perception of myself for your benefit. That's the job. Yeah, that's good. And then, and then to know what it is that you're looking for and to be able to provide that persona to you. And bringing that one of those parts of you that you know, bringing that to the table to really have the right. best connection. Right. And, I mean, you can look at something simple, like something very simple, simple and easy for anyone to understand. Some people are extroverted, right? Their focus is on the world around them, what's happening in the world, their environment. And some people are introverted. Their, their focus is on their internal world and what's happening in them and, and their reality. Yep. Neither of these things are right. Yeah. And neither of them are wrong. They're just different ways in which we as people look at the world 
and 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 think about ourselves in it, right? Yeah. And and if I start getting locked into right wrong viewpoints, right? So introverted is the right way to be and extroverts are all wrong because this is that right wrong thinking right yeah if i'm locked in there then half the population is someone i'm not going to be able to communicate with because i think they're wrong yeah right yeah whereas the more i learn about the different ways that people see themselves in their environment the more I realize that most people are just looking at things in a different way. They're not, they're not right or wrong. Yeah. They're just different and that's okay. And, and that actually makes the world a beautiful place, right? It does. And, uh, more often than not, people are trying to be right. Uh, what's the quote I heard? People would rather die then be wrong. So they'll keep going down a path stubbornly that they are sure they're right about rather than getting whatever help that could help. Right. It's, it's, and that's got to do with something called group inclusion. So there's whole areas of our brains that are dedicated to socializing. So yep. I've got an entire area of my brain that is dedicated just to understanding your facial expression, yeah. just to translate your emotional um, state so that I can understand it. And in our group of our, our monkey groups, as it were, our villages, tribes, society, whatever you want to call it, um, your survival depends upon those other group members feeling like you are a part of their group because then you've got support, you've got um, friends, you've got people that will look after you if you break your leg, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it creates a lot of security and safety. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Right. So if your inclusion in a group is under threat, right, Yep. and you might be excommunicated or whatever, you'll actually go to alarming lengths to stay included within a group, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, and feeling dumb, feeling wrong, feeling conned, feeling all, all these things. If I admit to you that... I actually have no fucking clue. <laughs> you might think I'm dumb, right? Yeah. And therefore not include me in the group, right? So in order to protect my place within this society, I'm going to make out like I know what's going on. Mm. And I'm going to make out like I'm actually really smart and I'm actually this and I'm actually that. And, but it's fear that's driving that, right? Yes. Because it's fear that you'll, you'll be, you'll think I'm something I'm not. It's fear that you won't think I'm going to be good or good enough to be a friend with you, that you won't value me for what I have to offer. Yeah. Right? Yep. And so I'm going to hide all of those not so good bits, right? I'm going to yep. pretend like they don't exist. Right? Yeah. Like, 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 like. I'm, I'm the best guy you want in your group. <laughs> and, and really, <laughs> yeah, it's the self-perception of what we think is the good and not so good, whereas the reality uh -huh. is that often those things that we think are not so good are actually our greatest gifts, right? Just differences. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And, and, and uh, we, 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 we live in the world where, where everything is tested and measured, you know. We all run our lives on the, on the, on the tick of a second hand, you know, and we all, we all have, I mean, from, from, from prep to, 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 to the latest job interview you've just done or your KPIs, 
every part of your mind, body, heart is measured and regulated. And there's no unique in that, is there? And, 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 and I search myself and I can say that I'm lots of things and all of them are unique, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I think that X factor, that indescribable X factor that we all know is there, that none of us can finger, right? Because no one knows what that X factor is. But we all know what it is, right? And and that 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 X factor, that's what drives us. That's what makes us us. That's what makes you an individual that separates you out from all of those measures and tests and quantifiers. So when you said we don't know what it is, but we do know, is that like consciously we don't know and and then but in our hearts unconsciously we do well if i was to ask you what is unique about you would you be able to answer and you still know that you are unique right because that's a really hard question to answer isn't it what is actually just ian not anyone else yeah, when you get you right, right deeper into that, yeah, absolutely. Because ultimately all the things that we can do, everyone has the capacity to do it, right? But it's the being part, the what do we bring to it, uniquely us, that's the key part. So I'd love to get your thoughts on what would be the difference between how much comes from lived experience around the being, the uniqueness, and how much of that do you think or no comes from a uh, natural way that you were come into this world, came into this world? Um, I, I think if, if we were to look at um, colour, that's a really good analogy and metaphor for that, to answer that question. There's only four prime colours, yeah? Yeah. That's all there is. And it makes up billions of different unique colours. And you've only got four acids that make up your DNA. Yeah, right. Make up all the DNA. Just right, look, at the, look, look at the variety of life. Yeah. You know? Look yeah. at it. Awesome. You know? Uh, so, so it doesn't really take much, does it, to create this enormous fractal of, of variation in 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 um, in existence, and I think and I think it's 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 yin and yang. It's 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 paradox. It's not one or the other. Like uh, it's not nature versus nurture. Um, so it's not genetics versus lived experience. I think it's uh, both. So um, melting pot of all. Right. And, and different genetics will approach different lived experiences in different ways, creating that melting pot of, 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 of huge variety that we would call unique, right? Yeah. And, and, and that X factor is the culmination of all of that. And that, that can't be described because there's no reference point. So, in other words, to describe black, we need the reference point of white, right? Yeah. yeah. Without, without white, we can't describe black. We need the black to describe the white, right? Yeah. And because there's no reference point to not unique, there is no not unique. Not unique doesn't exist. Everything is unique. So because everything is unique, there's no reference point. Mm. There's no black to describe the white. Is, so, the, is the opposite of that the similarities that we create from those um, socialising structures you talked about? 
So if unique is the individual, the the uh, the sameness is what we try and find by having those different ways of connecting. Well, I mean, it's a little bit like um, trying to get the same view of a tree, right? You and I can both try as hard as we can to get exactly the same perspective on a singular thing, right? We can stand in exactly the same spot and, 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 and look at exactly the same, but it's still going to be different, you know, no matter how hard we try, it's still going to be unique, you know, there's not going to be the same, we can get close, we can get close and we can communicate back and forth and get closer and closer to understanding to, to me understanding your unique experience of the tree and to you understanding my unique experience of the tree, but close is all we're ever going to get. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Great point. It's the same with the colors, right? Your interpretation right. or visual representation of white and black and everything in between, same thing. So right. th- this, this is sort of uh, a fascinating area and I want to get more back to your story because it's like, where is your fascination with this stuff born from? You mentioned sort of late teens. You, you talk about in your lady is being the entertainer, but like what you described to me is in those is in those sort of formative years around the middle of high school. Oh, I was a nerd. Yeah. I was I was the dork, right? Yeah. And 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 um, for me. Um, my place of safety growing up was in books and in um, and in computers. So um, and uh, I grew up in, in, in lower socioeconomic conditions. In a, um, I had a rough childhood, um, and uh, so for me, for me the solace that I found was in books. And um, and I remember reading Freud. Um, <laughs> like I said, I was a nerd. Just um, dive straight in the deep ends, yeah? You know? Well, well, I mean, I wanted to understand, right? Yeah. I wanted to understand what was going on with me and what was going on with everyone else, what was going on in my family what was going on at school, what was going on in society, because none of it bloody made sense, right? Yep, yep. Right? And just get a job and, and, and do nine to five, never, <laughs> that, was, that was never me, you know? And, and um, so uh, uh, making sense of, of myself and, and the world around me was... Um, was something that uh, uh, has has driven me for a long time. Um, it's a it's a real product of trauma, is that that search for understanding and, and questioning, right. and curious and meaning, absolutely. Right, because if you can name a name a fear, and if you can name a hurt. Then you can then you can contend with it. Yeah, you know it's yeah. the nameless pain and the nameless hurt that really because you can't get to grips with it, right? If you can't name it, if you can't put a label on it on, on a pain or on a suffering, then it it's elusive. You you know you hurt, but you don't know why, you know, and you you know you're not right, but what isn't not just don't know you know yeah yeah but as soon as you name it you go oh that's anxiety oh that's grief or that's anger whatever it is right yeah as soon as you name it then you you've got some sort of handle on it right yeah on what that experience is and you sorry keep going and it's like you're not the first person to feel sad yeah. Lots of people before us have felt sad and lots of people have felt angry. And some of those people have come to terms with their anger or their sadness or whatever 
and they've all come to terms in these unique ways, right? That yeah. suited their environment, context, and genetics. Yeah, it's that uh, then, feeling that it's permanent, right? And feeling that we're alone in the pain. That's that's the the biggest right. part of the challenge, right? And these people, what they did is they wrote it down, right? They wrote their story down. They said, "Look, I really studied anger." And this is what I've come up with. I've really studied sadness and this is what I came out with, right? Yeah. And there's all these different perspectives on, 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 on sadness, right? Yes. And, and when you read those perspectives, you're really naming it. You know what I mean? You're, you're yeah. really sort of naming that and you're reading all these different stories about how these other people have come to terms with their own experience of self yeah and and then you can draw from that right you can say well this works for me and you can give it a go and if it doesn't throw it out and try another tactic or strategy or whatever and just keep going until you find things that work for you absolutely and i think the important thing is something you mentioned before is the uniqueness no matter what you learn is bringing your unique flavor to whatever it is you've read, whatever, everything you've been taught, because that's where the real key is. That's where, that's where your own breakthroughs will be is when you bring that amazing uniqueness to the table. Right. So it's not a case of do what I've done or do what I do. It's a case of do what you do. And this is what I've done. And if that can help you come up with anything for you, that's right, you know. Yeah. And 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 and, but it's not, you know. And there's this myth. There's this. There's this. There's this. There's this uh, deception, right? That when it comes to healing, that someone does healing to you, yeah. right? Yeah. And that you're somehow completely not involved that somehow you're just going to sit there and some qualified whoever or some guru with light shining out of their various sphincters (laughs) is going to do that healing to you, (laughs) right? And and you're going to go and you're going to pay some money, you know, sit there. And you're going to get healed. And if they don't get you healed, you'll get a refund or something. I mean, it's a joke, right? Yeah, it's it's more of you the... You uh, become your own guru, your own healer, your own therapist, you know? Yeah. Other, other people can be a con- consultant. You know, you can consult for me, Ian. You can, you know, give me tips and all the rest of it. But when it comes to Project Chris, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm CEO, master and, and boss. And when it comes to Project Ian, Ian is the CEO, boss, healer, top professor, doctor guy, you know, and and, <laughs> yeah. and everyone else is just uh, is, is new to the project, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, 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 and he's just a consultant. And, and taking that power back, that's yeah. what that's about. Yeah, oh, 100%. I love that so much. It's, it's taking it, that uh, power back. Yeah, it's taking the power back. It's It also right. plays into this idea that someone will come and fix me, someone will come and save me, someone will come and rescue me, or I'm going to go and fix this person, I'm going to go and rescue them, and it keeps people, it either keeps you or it keeps them, yeah, exactly, perpetual victimhood. And, 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 and around and around it goes, you know, yeah. there's, 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 there's only one person that can heal an individual and, then, and, and that's the individual. Therapists and doctors and so on and so forth, they can, they can give you ideas, they can give you options. What? But ultimately it's you're the one who's going to have to live with you. <laughs> so the doctor's not coming home with you to suffer with you, you know. No, exactly. It uh, reminds me of a song. Actually, it talks about exactly that. Why well, I, I hope, wish I could keep you in my pocket, referring to the therapist. But it's uh, 
comes back to something that we were discussing uh, robustly the other day around just the meaning of words. What if someone defined a healer as someone who created a safe space for someone to be able to do their own healing? And if you look at it like that, then it's like, well, whatever you want to call that. Right. It, 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 and so many, so many of our words have been bastardized, which makes it really hard, you know, to, to communicate effectively. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, but what you just described is what a healer really is, because yeah. a healer yeah. is not in any way going to disempower you from healing yourself. They're going to facilitate that. Right. And yeah. they're going to open as much space as possible for you to realize that actually you don't need them at all and you never did. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's the goal of any healer is to do themselves out of a job. A hundred percent. And actually ancient tribes, that was the, the, the doctor was rewarded on zero people being sick, not the system we live on now, which is it's the whole system is designed for people to be sick because then it increases the uh, the inadverted commas healthcare system. Right. Well, I mean, the most profitable person for the for the uh, for the the the, the system um, is is someone who's half dead, right? Yeah. Because if you're half dead, you're reliant. You're an yeah. addict on this. Yeah health system right yeah uh, but if you're dead well you, you you're no longer you're no longer uh, a, a customer and if you're healthy you're no longer a customer so yeah. you need to be half half alive half dead this weird sort of in-between place where you're consistently needing more therapy and treatments you know yeah. Um, whereas 100%. the goal of true healing is to make sure that you never need that again. Exactly. So we got a little bit off track there, coming back to your story, but also extremely valuable information. So thank you for sharing that, Chris. You said you found Freud and you said there was a particular line that really struck you and, and shifted the dial. Yeah. So according to Freud's... Um, theories a person with my lived experiences would never ever amount to anything yeah, and that wow. destroyed me how confronting at that age right that that destroyed me um according to freud i would never be able to conform to social uh standards and i would be troubled throughout so, my adult life Blah, 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 blah. And he described exactly how my life would play out from his perspective as a psychoanalysis. Yeah, so before and we that, get... That destroyed me. Yeah, before we get too far into what came after that, what specific, if again, uh, as long as you're happy to go here, what specific life experiences are you talking about that... A variety of abuses and traumas. Serious, serious stuff. Um, some of it was very serious. Yeah. And, and, and I don't want to talk too much about it because it involves other people. And yeah, sure. I don't want to uh, get delved too deeply, but let's just say that I've experienced every genre of trauma that exists. So rather than I've got 47 about- stitches over my body, cracked skull, scar tissue on my brain i could go on so so rather than talking about the the incidents and the people involved what about uh as a youngster and and now even as you've gone through your adult years how have you learned to cope with the impacts of those traumas i haven't that's the honest truth and more honestly still i'm always coping better Awesome, and that and that's the, that's a key, yeah. right? Yes, because because so many people out there are presenting this front that they are somehow they've got it together, <laughs> they're healed now, <laughs> done, finished. Yeah, no more. I got past the finish line, eh? <laughs> it's a joke. All right. 
Yeah. It's always going to get better and it's never going to be done. So how have I coped? I haven't. I'm coping better. And I'm getting stronger and smarter and faster and more confident and more able all the time. I love it. And I still have huge numbers of flaws, failings and hang-ups. No way. I know, right? <laughs> and I still get, are you ready? I still get anxious and scared. <laughs> and I, I still get angry. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. I'm upset from time to time. I mean, the joint's a bloody roller coaster. You just got to hang on and scream, guys. That's really, what else are you going to bloody do, you know? Exactly. <laughs> How do you live with yourself, mate? <laughs> well, I'm coping better. <laughs> <laughs> so when does, when do you go from being the self-proclaimed uh, dork or nerd to being the... Uh, comedian did that just flow naturally or was that one of the coping mechanisms oh it's both i think um humor was definitely started out as a coping mechanism there's no doubt about that but it developed into far more um and 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 the idea of of becoming an entertainer and 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 recapturing my childhood vicariously through my audience yeah. Um, was 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 definitely a, a subconscious um, push um, towards that area, and I felt safe there, mate, because because um, I felt safe there because uh, there was no making people laugh. There could be no wrong in that. Mm. Right, there could be no harm that could come from that. Whereas, I wasn't so sure about everywhere else. Yeah, wow. You know? Yeah, I can relate so that, to that. That was the safest for me. That 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 mm. at the time that that felt that felt safe um, because there could only be good. That could come from my actions there, mate. That is so good. I get goosebumps. It's and and, and we talked about before we came on here, like, well, what's going to have the best impact for the audience? What you just said there, everyone has a moment or a part of their life which provided that sanctuary or, or that safety. And for me, it was sport, right? Like shy kid in every other part of life, but but I happened to have some pivotal mentors in my life in that area that helped me find a voice and find confidence and, and find all those things. And then the fact that you then taken that journey, that became your almost like your refined uniqueness, right? You found sanctuary and safety, so now you're helping other people to do the same. Man, what a gift. Yeah, and I mean, there's a, 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 a something. There are there are there are theories. I won't I won't go into too much depth here. Um, I'll try and make it very straightforward. But uh, there's theories around um, a, a beta and alpha monkeys. There's a lot of them. Um, but the, one of the one of the points that I want to make here is is that the alpha male monkey how he attracts uh, mates and um, and groups of other betas is through territory so he stakes out his area in the forest with the best fruit trees and the best fucking resources whatever yeah. Yeah. right and he makes it safe right yep and that's what attracts the the, the girls. Yeah, yeah, and that's what attracts the other monkeys, etc., etc., etc. Is creating that safe space with resources available. Yeah, yeah. Love now it. we're more than just monkeys. A little bit, right? <laughs> and we can, we can a little bit, yeah, right. Um, <laughs> and we we can have territories in metaphysical areas. So when I say that, what I mean is you can have a territory in. Mechanical engineering, right? Yeah, yeah. And you can stake out a territory there. 
And that territory then provides resources and a, can provide a place of safety and security for other baiters that are just coming up. Yeah, love it. They can provide, and it, and a man on a mission attracts the girls, right? There's a reason for that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, 100%. And, and so, and so you, you can have your metaphysical territory and the study of goddamn butterfly wings if you want or in circus arts. Yeah. And, and so stake out a territory. I mean, there's no competition. It's one of the beautiful things, right? Yes, and particularly when we stake out that territory, which is completely aligned to our uniqueness. And what I want to come back to is, yeah, come back to, yeah, you you talked about at at one point, right? You're doing, you're an entertainer, you're doing, you're doing the DJ stuff, you're doing children's entertainment, film, television, of all those different mediums, which was the one that, that lit you up the most? Um... I can't answer that. I don't. Uh, uh, I can't answer that. There were, there were, there were, there were, there were um, Yeah, yeah. Talk about the differences and what what was what was why was each one special in its own way. So entertaining um, the different genres of entertainment has a bunch. It's like the difference between piano and guitar, right? Yeah, specifically for you, right? Like so, right. The, the the areas that you mentioned to me that that you actually were employed, like which of those ones? Well, tell us a little bit about each of those. So, um, well, again, for me, it's largely irrelevant. So when I say it's largely irrelevant, it's like the difference. If you're talking to a carpenter. Saying to the carpenter, which would you, which do you prefer, a hammer or a saw? It, he's just going to shrug his shoulders and say, it depends on the job, right? Because that's what it is. You know, you've got tools of the trade and you've got a job to do. As an entertainer, music is just a tool. It's just a hammer. The job is the atmosphere. The job is the crowd. The job is the feeling. The job is... You know, making people feel something. That's the job. And okay, now we're getting you might be ma- good. You might be wanting to make them feel, you know, a bit of silly joy with clowning. Or you might be wanting to give them a moment of 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 reflection for a funeral. Or you might be wanting to give them and so on and so forth. And then I've got all these tools of my job and my trade through music, through voice, through so on and so forth, persona, to get the job done, right? Yeah, yeah. So for me, there's no clowning or, or, or DJing or, or it's, it's all, they're all just different tools, you know, they're, that's right. all they are. There's no. Right. They are, and yet you gave me what it is there because some entertainers are doing it because they want to be in the spotlight and they're doing it for ego purposes for others it's like a means to an end financially and and there's an element for that too what you described there is making people feel something right and and in a world where there's so much numbness or suppression or avoidance like that's your uniqueness right and i see that out there in the stuff you put out which like i said was what drew me in we've got the, the comedic like serious topics but just making the the comedy side of it mate that's what i love and i think that's for me that's what what i would see is such a great gift from you to the world oh thank you um and 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 yeah making people feel something that was the job yeah. and 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 there were moments of me doing my job where i really hit it you know hit the, that nail on the head you know i really did my job well you know but 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 you know, there are some times where you just nail it, you know what I mean? Yeah. And there are other times where you get it, but, you know, you didn't nail it, but you got it, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and then, then, there are the, then there are the occasional flops that I never, ever talk about. No one needs to know about those. No, no one needs to know about them. Um, yeah. But then there are those times, right, 
mm. where there is just that where there's that moment and and I just drop the right track in, you know, and and, and the beats match and it, and and the melodies sync and it and and it's just perfect, right? The the moment is just perfect. Yeah. And the crowd goes off. And then and it, it's not about the music, you know, but it is. But it's not about the crowd, but it is. It's not about yeah. the performance, but it is. All those things are just tools. That what you're trying to create is that moment, right? That's what you're trying to create is that just that build and that build and that that explosion of emotion where you can't help but feel moved by whatever's just happened. And 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 those moments, that's what stands out to me. And I've got numerous times of those those moments where it's just been perfect you know and and yeah. and, and and those are the moments I'll never forget you know it it's those moments not 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 specific to to any style or any genre or, 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 or you know or anything like that it's it's those were the moments I lived for yeah, I love that. And it comes back to a word you mentioned beforehand uh, and you said a real pivotal moment for you was coming back to oneness. And so through your art, that's exactly what you're creating, right? You're creating for everyone in that audience a moment of oneness where everyone is feeling that same euphoria, uh, togetherness, uh, joy, like, yeah, that's that's magic. And I don't think anyone who's listening has has experienced that when they've been in a, a crowd of some kind. Right. And, you know, it's funny for me. So because that was my job for a long time, I became very sensitive to atmosphere, right? Because yeah. atmosphere is my job. Yeah. And everyone's experienced atmosphere in a big crowd of people, right? Yep. Everyone knows what that experience is. You've all felt it, whether it's whether it's at a grand final day or at a nightclub or at a protest or even in a work meeting, right? Yeah. There's that atmosphere. The more people there are, the bigger the atmosphere gets, right? Yeah. yeah. But what if you drop it down? You get like just a group of people, like six people. That atmosphere is still there, right? But it's not as big, is it? So it's a lot smaller. And then you bring it down to two or three people. Now you can barely even tell that there is an atmosphere, right? But it's still there, isn't it? Right? Now bring it down to just you. What is your atmosphere? Yeah, beautiful. And... When you think about that, it's like you're, you're a fish in the ocean. Do you see the water? Because you carry your atmosphere everywhere you go with you, don't you? Yeah. You know? So yeah. you never know. You, you, you're never out of it. You, you're always in your atmosphere. And, and uh, go on. And the more you think about your individual atmosphere the more you can start seeing how your individual atmosphere contributes to group atmosphere. Yes. And the more you can see group atmosphere contributing to you. Yep. And then you can sort of start taking more of a conscious viewpoint of your atmosphere and making it as beneficial to the group as possible. Yeah, love it. And then you can be a bit of a filtration system as well to stop harmful group atmosphere coming through you, right? Yeah. And to um, amplify more beneficial group atmosphere. But that all comes down to your individual miasma of, 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 of frequency or whatever it is you want to call it, right? Because, I mean... Talking about a crowd atmosphere, everyone knows, but talking about your personal. Oh, that's that's now getting woo-woo, isn't it? Well, it is, but it isn't, right? It's like, is what what energy do you want to bring to an environment? Because we, we know, we all know that it ripples out. 
we all know that someone can come into a room and and negatively impact the energy the atmosphere immediately so why can't we do the same reciprocated when when we bring in a better energy of course we can yeah and how do you go about doing that Mm, and 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 what is that atmosphere exactly and 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 it all comes from heart space doesn't it because when you think about it when you think about someone who's really having a good time in their lives everything's working out for them they're in the flow they walk into the room and it's an uplifting experience i, I would say you know? it's 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 heart and mind and soul so it's bringing everything to the table in beautiful unison right right but if someone's out of that equilibrium or someone is 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 hurting yeah or upset and they come into the room they don't have to say anything yeah they don't have to do anything you know and everyone knows right yeah and the atmosphere drops right and 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 so we can it's not about being positive all the time because obviously that's not being authentic is it that's that's, that's right. not being real yeah it's 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 being conscious isn't it it's being understanding of how your atmosphere is impacting on other people and how their atmosphere is impacting on you and then regulating that and being aware of that and 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 trying to bring more and more of that authentic you that you can to this thing we call humanity you know yeah so you've summed that up beautifully chris and i I thank you for that and for you bringing your uh intentional energy to this conversation it's been fantastic i'd love to tap into more of what you said then what's your best advice for people listening on regulating their own energy I think um, I think just being aware is is probably the best sort of 1.01 um, tip that I can give. Um, being aware that you do have an atmosphere. Yeah, that's good. Being aware that you do generate that what you're feeling other people can feel yeah and that what they're feeling you can feel too i think everyone's heard of six well most people have heard of six degrees of separation right yeah so the idea is that if i get in touch with the right friend of and of the right friend of the right friend six times right that I can get in touch with anyone in the world, that we're all connected through only these six people. Well, mathematically speaking, yeah, that's actually more like 4.2 now. Yeah. It's getting lower every day. Yep, Every day we make more online connections and we're making more and more. That's getting lower every day. Nothing is more contagious than an emotion. A smile will spread throughout a crowd faster than anything any virus ever could. Yeah, hundred percent. So will a frown. Yep. And when you understand that, you understand that the ocean that is humanity is only four point two people deep. Well, we're all feeling a little bit of the grief of every single death that happens on the planet. Yeah. And we all feel a little bit of the joy at every single birth. Oh, wow. That's and beautiful. It, and that's oneness. That's and at so any point, you can tap into either of those frequencies. So powerful, Chris, because that that sentence that people have heard and probably just see it as a bit of a cliche is like, change you, change the world like you've just described how that can happen and, and much quicker than what people think. 
you literally can make changes to your life that will ripple out and have a positive effect. The smile is a classic example. Try and smile at every person you come across on the street and just watch their day change and then that will continue to ripple out. You, people don't realise, but, you know, right now there's someone in therapy talking about the only reason that they didn't top themselves was because some stranger smiled at them on a bus. Yeah. That might have been you. Yeah, how good. And you, and you don't even know and you'll never know, right? It might be that you smiled at the person that smiled at that guy on the bus and they only yeah. smiled because you did. And now you're really not going to bloody know, <laughs> you know, because it's disconnected, right? But at the same time, there is a knowing. But there's there a is knowing. a knowing, isn't there? Yeah, there but every is a knowing. And there's yeah. that X factor again, right? Yeah. Because there is a knowing. Mate, uh, we could talk about this for hours and hours. Uh, I know this is only a small snippet of your story, but there was so much gold and wisdom in this and for people to share and, and for you to share. It's, it's like the description of the art of entertaining and comedy. And, and I thank you. I appreciate you and I appreciate all that you shared today, Chris. Thank you so much. Oh, my absolute pleasure. And, and good luck to all and, and health and, and, and well, wellness uh, to you. Awesome. Thanks, mate. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Grief Code podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please share it with a friend or family member that you know would benefit from hearing it too. If you are truly ready to heal your unresolved or unknown grief, let's chat. Email me at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com. You can also stay connected with me by joining the Grief Code community at ianhawkinscoaching.com forward slash the grief code and remember so that i can help even more people to heal please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform